This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Join Hoda Kotfi for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. And you can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in San Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Jennifer Neal is the author of Notes on Her Color, a novel. Jennifer is an American-Australian author, musician, writer, cook, and occasional stand-up comedian, currently living in Berlin. Born in the U.S., she has also lived and worked in Japan, Spain, Mexico, Australia, and now Germany. One of her career highlights is working with Anthony Bourdain, RIP, for Explore Parts Unknown. She works as a freelance translator and producer at Deutsche Welle, well, and her writing has appeared in Playboy, NPR, CNN, Gay Magazine, The Establishment, SBS, Atlas Obscura, and many, many others. She was nominated for a Pushcart Prize for her essay, In Search of Better Skies, in 2019, and she was a 2021 McDowell Colony Artist in Residence. Her essay, Good White Friends, was published in the anthology Could This Be Love in August 2022 with Intercontinental Press. Notes on Her Color is her first novel. 
Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss your novel, Notes on Her Collar. Thank you so much for having me. So your book has gotten like write-ups everywhere. I was on your Instagram and I was like, oh my God, like where has this book not been chatted out? This is amazing. <laughs> like every list. You must be so excited. That's so great. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really amazing. You know, you spend so much time working on something and you just don't really know how it's going to land or where it's going to land. And then when it does, it's it's shocking in all the best ways. <laughs> Um, well, it has such a unique concept and you're a beautiful writer, of course. Can you tell listeners a little bit about the idea behind this book and where it came from and, and how it translated into what it became and all that? I didn't say that well, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Let me try again. Jennifer, can you tell listeners, <laughs> what is, what is your book about and where did you come up with the idea? How's that? Sure. sure. <laughs> Perfectly formulated. Thank you so much for that question. So the book is about a young Black and Indigenous woman named Gabrielle who has inherited the ability to change the color of her skin from her mother. The story centers really on their dynamic from beginning to end. They are the heart of the story. They are the dynamic that guides the reader through the entire thing. And the color-changing ability is really a reflection on how dynamic color and Blackness really is. I feel like in the concept of passing in literature, it tends to focus on, you know, the binary of black and white you know, for good reason. Whereas in this book, Gabrielle can actually change her skin color into a variety of different kind of colors. Like every color on the color spectrum is something that she is capable of. And that was a commentary on how black within color theory is actually the absorption of all colors. And when I was able to kind of hone in on that, I was actually able to utilize a whole bunch of language that is used that uses color to describe feelings and emotions and sentiments and it just opened up the whole world and it was really a, a perfect breeding ground to explore this very interesting character and her relationship with her mom well you talk about how this is in the blood right this is something that has been passed down and you talk about you know at times like when she has pms or you know at times <laughs> like she takes facts to like deal with the with the changing or the passing or whatever you called it when she was like transitioning from one color to another and how like even that moment is like a thing and it's a physical sensation that is something she has to deal with tell me about that was that just like what would it be like to change colors you know what would that entail well, oh, I mean, that was that was my question. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I started with this uh, very interesting kind of, I guess, treasure trove of how color is used in language to describe feelings. Like, you know, we talk about feeling blue or yellow bellied or seeing red to describe things like anger. And I feel like this is something that women are a little bit more capable of incorporating into their language on a regular basis because we, you know, we have a little bit more leeway to discuss and describe our emotions as long as we're not seen as hysterical, apparently. And I really wanted to kind of tap into that language and I really wanted to just explore the corporality of, of what these emotions feel like. Um, how would I describe the way that anger feels? How would I describe the way that jealousy feels? How would I describe fear, you know? And, you know, this is the writer's job. Obviously, we have to describe feelings. But I wanted to approach it in a way that made the reader kind of ask themselves how they feel when they're feeling these things. And um, color just, it was it was so obvious to me. It, it, it was almost too literal to be affected. And yet 
that's exactly the path I took it in. So funny. I remember being a kid and realizing that it was possible that perhaps when I saw the color blue, it was what you were saying is the color green and how like mind blowing that whole idea was in terms of our perception of color, where color even comes from, like yeah. and learning all of it and science and all of that. It's so fascinating. Yeah. Did you, did you ever, or this was a while ago, do you remember this thing that was on social media many years ago about the dress on Twitter? Was it blue dress? Was it a, yes. yeah, it was, you know, and, and it became like this massive social media moment where are we all looking at the same picture? Yes. And yet we're seeing very different things. And I find that very interesting. Me too. Especially the images. Like, is this a, is this a a cat or is this a person? (laughs) Like, I always see the the opposite thing from everybody else. And I'm like, oh no, that's totally this. What do you mean? And everyone's like, no, no, no. Like, this is really, sometimes that happens with me, like in book covers. Like I had to look at your book cover like a hundred times. And then I was like, You know, this is supposed to be a face and this is supposed to be like, you know, so I don't know. Sometimes these visual things. Yeah. It's crazy how our brains work. I'm like, what does it mean that I never see the thing? That's like, but but that's, that's wonderful because that's what I wanted people to like, think about, you know, when they think about, you know, when you say the term person of color, that, that means somebody who looks like me, obviously, but color is like an entire spectrum. Why does it automatically connotate a certain specific kind of color? So I really wanted to unpack that and really get people to question the terminology that has become so useful. It's on almost kind of mundane every single day. So yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. thing. (laughs) And tell me about the interweaving of all of the music too. And I think it was so creative how you said, how you titled all the sections and everything. And I saw in your acknowledgements, how you're crediting some sort of philharmonic and tell me about music in your life and how you wove that in through this narrative. Yeah, well, I've I've always been a huge, huge, huge fan of music. It's just always something that's been, I think, really central to my life. I think a lot of artists are really influenced by different genres of art, you know. So the book is divided into six sections after the six movements of Mahler's Third Symphony, Gustav Mahler's Third Symphony. And his uh, creative writing, or his um, musical writing, sorry, was deeply inspired by a lot of uh, Germanic poetry, folkloric texts things like that. So he was always in conversation with other writers when he was crafting his worldwide famous symphonies. And I really like this idea of writing a book that was in conversation with something that Mahler wrote that was in conversation with a piece of folklore from like a hundred years ago. And I felt like kind of meta, sure, but also continuing this process of how, you know, texts are recontextualized and reconfigured and, and, and re-described and reinvented, you know, as time goes forward, which is what artists are supposed to do. And I had this idea of wanting to write a book that was as tight and as meaningful and as a dynamic as a piece of music. And that is why I went after Mahler's Third Symphony, not just because it's an incredible piece of music, but because I live in Germany, I live in Berlin, and he's been experiencing quite a bit of a renaissance, you can say, because his work was suppressed under the Third Reich during World War II. And then after the war ended, there was kind of a resurgence of interest in his work and just how brilliant he was. And uh, I have to say, I've been all aboard that bandwagon since I moved here. (laughs) And why did you move there? Uh, I moved here to write. I wanted like a really quirky kind of uh, eccentric, dynamic group of artsy people around me. I wanted to be part of some kind of broader creative movement. And at the time I was living in Australia, I'd lived there for almost eight years and I was just kind of 
I, I needed a change. I was kind of over it. And I went on this tour of Western Europe and it was London, Amsterdam, Berlin, and Stockholm. I initially was set on moving to London because I thought, wow, this just, you know, I already got a community here and they have great stand-up comedy clubs and all this other stuff because I was performing comedy at the time. And then um, Brexit happened and I decided that it wouldn't make a lot of sense to move to a country that had voted to leave the European Union for fear of immigration. Mm. So um, Berlin, it, it was just, I kind of fell in love with it as well. And I think it was the unfamiliarity that kind of enticed me, kind of intoxicated me. I thought, well, this will be a challenge and think of all the crazy stories I'll have to share later on. And, you know, I liked the idea of diving into the unknown and seeing how that challenge would inspire me creatively. And it absolutely did. That is like the best philosophy on trying something new. Like I'm literally going to play this section for my kids. No, I'm not even kidding for my kids. But you're like, that's a challenge. I'm running toward it. You know, it's like what every parent wants. I mean, I kind of looked at all the parts about like hard lessons learned along the way, but you know, there were things worth learning and I don't regret it. There you go. Yeah. I mean, if we don't try new things, like we miss out on so much. I mean, it sounds so obvious, but you know, fear holds us back so much. And so, you know, anyway, anyway, it was good advice. (laughs) (laughs) Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishful podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the Cat in the Hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. 
So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic Tongue Twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. What is your relationship like? What was your, how did your parents, like, what did they do, right? Like, tell me about that. Oh, well, let's see. They bought me every single book I ever wanted. (laughs) Because, I mean, there's something that's really interesting in the dynamic of, you know, growing up in the South and, you know, a lot of my family lives in Florida now. And obviously I'm, I'm from Florida, where each generation kind of had this sort of meteoric opportunities to rise up that previous generations didn't have because of, you know, the history of Jim Crow and segregation in the South. And I think for my parents, it was very important that, that I did not experience the same kind of scarcity that they experienced growing up. And from an early age, they really encouraged me to, to read anything that I wanted to read. And it was interesting because they were very, very like mindful of like what I watched on TV or the type of music I listened to. But if it was a book, they were like, oh, it can't be that bad. Right. So, so <laughs> I was reading books by the Marquis de Sade. I was reading books by Anne Rice. I was, I was learning all the things that they didn't want me to learn from television and music from books. So I would say that's something they got right. But if they yeah, were to hear this. Pro- still probably better. Still <laughs> better to be learning those things in books. Just that. Okay, anyway, keep For going. Sure. All right, you were going to say. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, at the time, I don't, I yeah. think they were just really impressed. Like, oh, wow, she's reading the Marquis de Sade. Like, that's so impressive. We can't wait to tell all of our friends about that. <laughs> and me and mom just like, you know, turning, <laughs> going from, from one very scandalous sex scene to another. And it's like, that's incredible. <laughs> oh, God, I love it. <laughs> Um, wait, sorry. So what were you going to say? My parents said what you were, you said if they were here or whatever. Oh yeah. Well, if they were to hear this now, they, they probably would, you know, be like, oh, <laughs> because they didn't read the the kind of things that I read. You know, my dad was very like newspaper and biographies and my mom was a librarian. So, you know, she read a lot of stuff that the kids were reading, but I was kind of out there. <laughs> um, are your parents still alive? I don't even know why I'm asking this, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm both still alive. Yeah. Okay. Still in Florida too. I read in your acknowledgements too, your very strong views about government in Florida and <laughs> we don't have to go into it, but we can, like... I, I loved your passion for Florida in general. Um, and even the way you describe it as a character in the book and your, you know, your reverence for it and your hopes and dreams for it, so to speak. But yeah, you look, <laughs> Um, so the way I describe it to people is what's the, what's the metaphor I've been using? So if the United States were like a a lily pond, Maine and New England would be like the lily pads floating on top of all the dragonflies and the hummingbirds and all that, like beautiful, like Monet type of, uh, picturesque painting type of backdrop. And then Florida would be at the very bottom with like all the plastic beer rings, they use condoms, like a chupacabra kind of floating around down there. It's got a lot of crazy stuff, but it also has a lot of life. And it's very unique in terms of its 
ecosystem in terms of its history, in terms of its bridging of like Caribbean, West African, South American and, and indigenous culture and history. There's no other place in the world like it. And that's why I'm a passionate defender of the state as a place, as a geography, as a kind of phenomenon. The other side to that is that it's run by literal monsters. And that's a very difficult thing to reconcile as somebody who loves the state for what it is and not necessarily the horrific people running it today. I guess I'm very fortunate to have grown up in the mid-90s there, well, all throughout the 90s there, honestly, and then went to university in the early aughts there, where um, it really wasn't like this. <laughs> I feel a lot of empathy and and you know, I feel for people who are going through all of that right now. And it's really heartbreaking to see just how quickly certain government officials are in a race to the bottom of all the worst aspects of American culture, making that a central platform for the entire country. It's horrific. It's terrifying. And for things like book bans and censorship and all that stuff hits me in a very personal place because I live in Germany. You know, this is stuff that we talk about often. We remember often back in April, we commemorated, I think it was like the 75th or 78th anniversary of the widespread book burnings that took place around the country during the rise of the Nazis. So I, I have this weird kind of parallel sense of looking from a distance at what's happening, but having a very clear idea of where of where that will lead. And it's it's terrifying as a writer, as a Floridian, as a human being. Uh, it, it, it scares me, it scares the death out of me. Well, I'm praying it does not lead where it led in Germany. That would, I'm hoping that, <laughs> I mean, more than hoping, praying. Yeah. I don't know. Well, very interesting at any rate. Sorry to bring the tone down there a bit. No, that's okay. I asked. I had a feeling you had pretty strong feelings about it. So, you know, it's good. It's good to, it's good to talk about these things as they're happening and process and all that. Tell me more about your writing from here. What are you doing? What are you writing? What are you working on? Like, what now? Well, right now I'm working on the first round of edits for my second book, which is coming out October next year. Oh, I read what? Wait, Siren something? No, Symphony something? What was it called? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, uh, something with an S? Nothing with an S. No. There are S's in it. There's an, yeah, there's an S in it. It's called <laughs> My Pisces Heart. Okay, right. <laughs> yeah, two, two s's there are two s's there so you okay. got some. can i buy a can i buy a consonant please let me buy it <laughs> oh my gosh okay sorry anyway i didn't know what it was called but i completely forgot obviously okay my pisces are tell me about that book that's okay it's um this one's nonfiction, so it's um hmm. what would my agent describe it as memoir plus it's about my life spent living on four different continents tracing um black histories in each of these places and how they align with my own. The, the thread through this book, it's my relationship with my paternal grandfather. And because he was a, a soldier during World War II and he um, went to France to fight and um, how when he went back, like he couldn't just go back to his very small town in Woodland, Georgia. So he left. And I feel like his journey kind of was the, the catalyst that started me in my kind of wanderlust. And I think it's because he and I were very similar in terms of our personalities and in terms of our values. And that's kind of weaving the whole thing together. So I'm really looking forward to having that out in the world too. That sounds amazing. That sounds great. I can't wait to read that. And when is that book date? October, 2024. Okay. Be here before you know it. <laughs> it really will. 
<laughs> I am deranged, but, <laughs> but you know, Hey, got to make hay while the sun's shining, I guess. Yeah. It's amazing. I I've been doing this podcast now for five plus years or so. And I am astounded by like how many repeat I'm like, really another book by this person? How did she, like, how did she do that? Or how did you do that so fast? Literally this morning got pitched a book and I was like, there's no way that's the same author. It must be somebody with same distinctive name because I just interviewed her about her other book. Like what? Wasn't that like a month ago? How could she have another novel? Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So it's amazing. Everybody just keeps going. So <laughs> well, I mean, I guess we don't really have a choice. I mean, I know, I know. Choice. What else can you do? <laughs> no, it's it's great. It's it's wonderful. It's really wonderful. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Oh gosh, so much advice. Uh, I'll try to condense it into something as, as useful as possible. Number one, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You really should take your time to make sure you are very happy with what you submit, either to agents, to publishers, whatever. Because once it's formalized in print, you can't change it. And rejection is just part of the process. The moment you accept that, the easier it becomes. The moment you start to take yourself seriously as an author, that's when the world will start taking you seriously. That means reading as much as possible, making time to write, being very disciplined about meeting your own deadlines, whether you set them for yourself or other people set them for you. And write only for yourself and for the audience that you want to speak directly to because you can't make everybody happy. And if you try, that is one recipe that'll lead directly to failure. I've learned that. (laughs) I feel like I learn that all the time, even with like dinner reservations or something. I'm like, I'm going to do this person. And I'm going to do this because this person wants to do this at this time. And then like, I end up crying. So, yeah. Oh no. <laughs> it's a, I know. It's, it's hard. Have you learned your lesson is the I, question. I, I mean, you know, okay. I know. don't they feel like that's the definition of crazy when you like do the same thing over and over and over again, like knowing that like you're hoping for a different reaction, but like getting the same thing. <laughs> okay. you, you hesitated a little bit there. You were like, no, 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 I've learned my lesson, but well. Um. I know I have, but I don't know. I learned it, but does that mean I actually... Do you learned like- it, but have you internalized right, it? Exactly. Do you feel like you're good at that? Like, do you, can, do you live by that advice yourself? Uh, well, I, now I'm much better at it than I used to be. That's, that's a fact. I used to, like you, I don't know. I feel like dinner reservations are like the final frontier of all of our anxieties. Like trying to make everybody happy, trying to like make vegan people happy and people who are gluten-free happy and people who have like a lactose allergy happy. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to book a spot that has nice options. If people want to come, they can come. If not, that's fine. Like we can try different things with different people. I think it's just something that you can kind of disabuse yourself a little bit more of as you get older, because I don't, I don't, see myself as having been that composed when I was 20. (laughs) Now it it comes more easily, but it's also just because if people don't show up, I'm happy having dinner by myself. So there you go. There you go. I think I'm going to have to, I don't know, put that in the kitchen or something. Dinner (laughs) resumes are the final frontier of anxiety. I love that so much. (laughs) Thank you. Um, um, oh my gosh well this has been so fun thank you so much for coming on congratulations on your beautiful book and you know you're such a creative original talent i cannot wait for your next book really so congrats thank you so much sibby it's been wonderful talking with you it's been a lot of fun actually (laughs) good (laughs) good i'm so glad
All right. We'll have a great day. You too. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.